Hello, and welcome to the MadeCast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Chun. I'm Red. And I'm Miles. On this last episode before the new year, we're talking about the Game Awards. All the awards, announcements, reveals, and news that came from gaming's biggest event. So This is exciting. It was a big three-plus hour, I think, plus the pre-show. It was over three hours long. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to have time to get through everything, and we don't need to because, you know, the list is online, and frankly, yeah, do your own research. We're just reading all yes. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, we, you, you can read. You don't need us to tell you. But uh, we obviously have to talk about Game of the Year. Yes. So, uh, It Takes Two from Hazelight Studios uh, was picked for this year's Game of the Year. Uh, I've seen it played. I haven't played through it with a friend, but I've seen two friends play it, and i hung out with them while they did it uh i think it deserves it uh i also think so just from i haven't had that close of an experience but i've watched a lot of like playthroughs of it and people online and it is so whimsical and the fact that they can change gameplay styles so easily is really something that's really beautiful uh it's an it's i i also love their the way they introduce co-op is so refreshing uh, compared to like essentially just a, trying to accomplish the same goal over and over w- with a lot of other co-ops. Uh, it's it's a really fun game. It uh, is a fun game. I, I have been watching a lot of people play it, but the only problem for myself to play it is it's pretty difficult to find another one who haven't played it and willing to do it together with you. Yeah, I mean, at this point, potential like, but it's, that's another thing I have, because it also won best co-op game, uh, or best multiplayer game, rather. Uh, I think that specific category is, it's very broad and, like, not as defined as other ones, but it's, uh, that's why I'm also, like, just in, like, kind of curious about it taking both of those, uh, but I think it's really worth checking out. The story is also just a, a really nice tale about uh, marital strife. But <laughs> the story is very sweet. I liked it. Yeah. I think after after Hazelight Studios' previous game, uh, uh, A Way Out, which is sort of following the same model of like forced two-player split-screen co-op, mm-hmm. uh, It Takes Two is much more their speed. Uh, yes. Uh, a way out was very sort of restrictive in its story um, didn't quite match like the way it was played by two people yeah and I think t- it's takes two does a much better job of marrying uh, pun intended the mm-hmm. the gameplay with the co-op aspect and the story and the whole like the whole thing worked together a lot better and was much more i mean it, it it's a fantastic game uh i don't know I, i'm also so for a light for kind of like a serious subject to bring to a lot of like younger audiences too that are potentially playing this game it's it's like a heavy hitting 
story that talks about like family relationships and everything and the relationship of time spent together. It's a beautiful metaphor for cooperation, literally with like timing and speaking out loud with the person next to you too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that are like timing based and you really have to, it helps to actually coordinate out loud with the person that you're playing with, uh, which in, in a lot of different ways than a like team based, like first person shooters would be, or like other team based, like other team based, uh, like MMOs or, uh, it's definitely like, uh, arena based games. <laughs> It's definitely a, a story that is much closer to our life co- compared to other stories like you are saving the world or other stuff. So I think that's why there there will be more people feeling something for the story because it's it can it could get to some personal levels on some point just because mm-hmm. some some of those stuff could be happening in our lives too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and speaking congratulations. Of, speaking yeah. of family. Uh, Best narrative went to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, the uh, the highly dysfunctional chosen family of one spacefaring human uh, is a, another really well done narrative as well. Uh, whereas, like the story, I think like the story in It Takes Two can be a little like flat and kind of like straightforward at times. Uh, the choices that you make in guardians of the galaxy actually affect who joins you on future missions. Uh, or at least that's how it felt. Uh, it's, I think it's a really interesting, like it's a really well-designed, uh, narrative story and allowing you to develop how you fight because like it's kind of meant to fight as like the whole team where you're like commanding all your different people to do different things. And if you're missing a couple of those people and their abilities, then it makes things a little bit more challenging and a little bit more difficult, which is really, I I like that. I like that. Make your choices and deal with the consequences type of game. Mm -hmm. The, the overall story is very good. I thought that what they really nailed was the sort of incidental dialogue, the, just the bickering. Yes like i could listen to just that like it was like if the whole game was just them sitting in a room talking to each other it would be a fun movie and like, there is so much it like i i didn't hear it repeat once from all the playthrough that i watched and everything else it was mm-hmm. all unique i can only imagine the hours in the booth that they were just recording <laughs> just all of this different dialogue and everything it's really <laughs> they did a really good job the writing on that is really fantastic um the next announcement that we have is best art direction went to death loop from arcane as well uh that uh it also in best game direction and art direction but the art direction i think fits it really well it's such a fun it's such a fun game to go around and just try and like avoid this other assassin trying to kill you and then just finding new ways to kill different people that know that they're going to return on the next loop. So death is kind of inconsequential is mm-hmm. really, it's really fun. I can't uh, I remember, also, I can't remember the art, art direction from the traders because I remember when I first see the traders, I feel like the game it's, it's pretty fresh on its theme because of the wish shows and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
that I wouldn't be surprised that they win the best art direction. And I think, mm-hmm. though I didn't play the game, but just mm-hmm. looking at it, I think they deserve it. Arcane has always really excelled in its art direction. I think that this was kind of a shoe in. It was just such an easy choice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like they they established this very clear sort of painterly style in Dishonored, um, mm-hmm. and they just kept with that with Dishonored Two with Prey. Uh, uh, Prey was really I thought was a fantastic. The, the, just their style and the way they execute it is they exactly pick a they, direction. And games, the entire games, world is their games have a look. Yeah, and and they stick very closely to that, and it's always like just a treat to look at their environments, at their at their models. Like everything in that game is very well detailed and designed. So mm-hmm. the art direction, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's a very fantastic one, and uh, the best score and music went to Near Replicant. Uh, Keiichi Okabe, uh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, there, the sound design and the like, the music, the music alone is it's so beautiful and well conducted, and it's. I mean, I was captured with uh, near Automata. I didn't play the original like Replicant, but it's it's so beautiful. Square uh, Enix has always been doing a very good job on their adaptive music and art yes. sound design. Like I remember when they, uh, I remember I, I heard it from a tech talk. They're actually using uh, ray tracing for generating the the environmental reverb for mm-hmm. near automata. So I feel That's... like they probably would have some amazing audio tech audio technologies in. Near African too, but I ha- I haven't played the game, and I try to not to get myself spoiled, but probably I will p- play in a few future. And yeah, it's to see what they do. Uh, I, that's one of the few games where I will also just put on a soundtrack of and listen to it. Uh, there's, I mean, uh, there's so many other. I mean, there's like the orchestrated versions of like the Legend of Zelda and those performances but in in near it's just in the game naturally it's not like adapted like digital music put in uh made into a symphonic form it's uh, it's really really amazing i'm i'm very happy that it won i i couldn't agree more with best score in music for that mm-hmm yeah, it's the second year in a row that Square Enix Games win this award, if I remember right. They know what that's, they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Um, and we have Best Action Adventure Game going to Metroid Dread. Miles, I think you are... Uh, did you also play it, Chun? I don't. Okay. Uh, but I know Miles is a big fan. Oh, Yes. So it was actually, Metroid Dread, I think, absolutely deserves it. But it was up against some very stiff competition. It was against Guardians of the Galaxy. It was against the new Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. It was against uh, Resident Evil Village. It was against Psychonauts 2. So hmm. Metroid, like, the action-adventure category is a weird one because it's combining, like, combat and, and you know, fast-paced action gameplay with 
much more exploration and puzzle solving and thinking about the environment and solving problems. Uh, I think Metroid Dread did that really well. Like Metroidvanias in general are typically very good at combining action adventure. Um, but, but the through line you see with all of these uh, nominees is kind of the same thing. Like Resident Evil Village was a very good action adventure game, but I don't think of it as an action adventure game. So it was interesting to see it in this category. Um, because that's really all Resident Evil is. It's it's running around and like getting attacked and sometimes fighting things, but really it's about solving puzzles. Yeah, it's about solving puzzles and I don't know, and like also just like the category like action adventure is more of like a style of gameplay. Not, I, I believe not necessarily like a story trope because I mean like there are horror games there are uh, mm-hmm. breaking things into those categories they're more of just like thematic where I think action adventure is more kind of gameplay based which is a broad category for a lot of things I mean as we saw in the lineup uh, it would be great if they can just make the definitions more clear next year yes uh, like there are some categories that I think are like kind of overlapping and very in particular, but um, they do fit. They all fit very uh, like generally, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of other ones. Uh, I th- I think what makes Metroid Dread win this category is its environmental design, its music, everything. Everything supports the the feeling of exploration. Okay. Um, like Metroid has always been famous for having very atmospheric music, having very little in the way of direct themes and mm-hmm. like music outside of like a boss fight or something. Um, and and this this does that. Like Metroid Dread managed to take a side-scrolling game and have it compete against some very stiff competition with a lot more in the realm of like. Oh, this is an action game. Like Metro or Resident Evil Village, like looks fantastic, plays fantastically, sounds fantastic. Why does Metroid Dread win then? Because it's 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 selling itself better. Like it's not just because it's Metroid and we haven't had one in a long time. It's because it's a incredibly well made game. Mm hmm that does its one thing a lot better than uh, Psychonauts 2 or Resident Evil Village or Ratchet and Clank, which does a lot of different things. Yeah. Ratchet and Clank, I, it, it is an action adventure. I mean, it, it totally is an action adventure, but it has like platforming elements to it as well. It, I mean, there's, it, it's another like almost kind of puzzle based game in a sense too. Uh, I think like the biggest thing I think about this ratchet and clink also is I think it was more of uh, like the first kind of like PS five demo or like to showcase what this console is capable of really in like in a new style, Mm -hmm. uh, which it's more like kind of like, it's more of, I feel like a pioneering next gen game, uh, that is really, really amazing and showcases a lot of things but it's also just like introducing the capabilities of a new generation it it's not quite as like refined as i think things will be later on as they have more time to work with this uh hardware uh and i think like metroid dread also uh be uh, executed so well 
uh, on the Switch. Uh, I think it was really fitting. I mean, it was also like you could play it handheld, but I think like actually playing it like on your TV, like turn the lights down and have it more be thematic really, really helps the ambiance of the game uh, where it's kind of like meant to be more ambient and not as so like in your face, like here, feel this with how it's going. Hmm. Um, we also have the most anticipated game being Elden Ring. <laughs> For this the second award year in a row. Is, this award uh, second is, year always, is always like a, a knock from the death. Let's hope it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I don't, I, I am not sure I really enjoy this as a category because I feel like if it, it may also like push people to release things that aren't finished yet. Uh, people are too hyped for it and they're just I mean, yeah, having people too much hyped for expectation that. for a game. I mean, that's been happening for a long time now and it's been coming to a pretty big head, I feel, uh, with a lot of these games. I mean, Cyberpunk, No Man's Sky, but I mean, No Man's Sky, I believe, has kind of redeemed itself by adding all these like uh, free updates and not... and making it an actual good game now, but cyberpunk still doesn't have like, I mean, it's now not broken, but it, it just the faults at launch were so like it turns you off of a game when something doesn't work that egregiously. Uh, but I'm excited for Elden Ring. I like that you can have a mount that jumps and it's uh, the full world seems a lot more traversable and not like path oriented where you're limited by movement. I think a double jump is a good idea. I think jumping in general is a good idea (laughs) for any Souls game. Uh, It would be really nice if you could jump. Uh, I I get that you're carrying a 700 pound sword and 300 pounds of armor, but a jump would be nice. Um, I would be worried about (laughs) that because it's, I know the game is kind of open world and what usually happens in open world games and people, people will complain about the lack of content, even though the the world is so huge. That is what I've also heard about like the demo and like people like checking the early access thing out. So you can't say it's lack of contents. Like you, there, there's no way to give you a whole game in a demo. We, I think people who are complaining about it on the demo is just nonsense. But for entire yeah. game, <laughs> I, I feel like but, people is gonna complain about it. I, They're just that, having but, a realistic expectation on a lot of games these days. I would agree to that. I, I, I mean. That, that was the same thing with, I mean, even Red Dead Redemption, there was like a lot of stuff to do, but it was a lot of open world. The big thing about that was like visually appealing and open world. People were like complaining about, I, I think that's going to be the same thing with Elden Ring where like there's these open world aspects where it's a little empty, but it's meant to kind of like bring you into the game and like look around at your environment. It, it, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it could be a narrative uh, based choice as well that it would enhance the feeling of just being in the world but it's also a balancing act where you have to make sure you're not uh, 
yeah, it's a balancing act where you have to make sure you're not overusing it and only using it uh, thematically at a story-driven purpose or like a point in the game where it needs to just like take a breather, look at your surroundings, gather your bearings. Mm-hmm. But I think those are all the announcements of the award winners that we have today. Now, I think it's time to talk about some announcements and reveals of things coming up. I know, Miles, you're excited about Alan Wake 2. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, the devs recently did Control, which uh, a couple years ago, I think, won several game awards and definitely uh, was praised very highly. And now they've gotten the chance to go back to another thing that's apparently in the same universe as Control. Uh, Alan hmm. Wake was, I think, a 360 game. Um, it came out on PC, and I played it there. Um, and it's it's a weird one. I like it because it's kind of horror. It's kind of Twin Peaks. It's kind of a bunch of things. And... The, the trailer that we got seemed to lean very heavily into, like, things are a lot worse this time around. Uh, like, if you, don't know, if you don't know the story of Alan Wake, it's this writer who goes to some isolated town to, you know, go on vacation. And uh, finds out that his, uh, the horror stories he's been writing are coming to life. And... Ooh. There's a bit more to it than that, but you know that's that's the general gist. Um, so it's that's, been a long time coming, and I'm excited to see what happens next. It's been an interesting story, and I'd like to see more. That sounds really exciting. Uh, and we also were introduced to the Halo tier v- TV series trailer. It uh, more like thematically and visually just showing what was going on. It looks really cool. Look visually really awesome and appealing the cgi didn't look too terrible uh it looked pretty good i'm not gonna like that too terrible sounds too harsh for it uh, I, I reserve my opinion on any kind of serious series yes <clears throat> well it again looks nice i i mean we saw what just happened to uh cowboy bebop so we'll see how quickly this lasts or doesn't hopefully it does there were some things in the trailer that were very clearly CG. There were some things that looked almost kind of like in-game renders from like a very good like Unreal Engine or something. Like there mm-hmm. was there was there was a scene in like the desert dungeon. I don't know, like one of the first shots of the trailer that looked kind of like it was from like 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 it was done the way they did the sets on the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It looked like it looked like an Unreal render yeah um, like a very good unreal render but i don't know it there was something about it like the lighting or something that made it seem yeah rendered but, rather than like practical but i do gotta say they do have a practical master chief costume which looks pretty rad mm-hmm. uh definitely looks very real and intimidating i mean halo has uh, something like 30 odd books to pull lore from and oh, yeah five seven games not uh including the spinoffs um nine games maybe um yeah but so there's so much world there that they can pull from 
there's so much opportunity for them to tell like either a story that's already been told and like bring it to to full like visualization yeah there's there's opportunities for new stories there's there's just so much content there that they can mine and i think that they're going to have i think it's going to be successful yes i i mean i also think that that's the same with uh uh, another a telltale game that was announced uh star trek resurgence uh it's i think that's like the same thing there's so much uh there's there's books there's numerous shows there's a lot of content that they can pull from i'm i also think it's nice to have a star trek game where it puts you in the like in the in the shoes of a starfleet member uh making choices that allow you to kind of direct your own star trek universe uh i'm i'm also very excited for that uh Mm -hmm. so we we'll see uh allowing you to choose your way through all these games but the halo tv series uh hopefully they will be very good um fingers crossed don't have your hopes too high like anything else Uh, we have a new horror game from the Silent Hill creators, Slitterhead. I am. I remember playing a bit of Silent Hill, but horror games are not usually my standpoint. Uh, my, not my preferred gameplay mode. I don't like the jump scares. And it's but, never just about a jump scare in Silent Hill. I mean, the, it's never just whole, about it. No. Yeah, the the atmosphere in Silent Hill is what makes it. A very good horror game and the music too yeah the music is very mm-hmm. yeah tense. For, for this game they um they're making i feel like um the, the art direction really gets my eyes balls just because uh it's on a very hong kong like environment for the whole mm-hmm. film which and but f- it's a little bit weird to me because they're using some music that doesn't sound like should be appears in a horror game in mm-hmm. a trailer but yeah. we'll see it's a it's part it's probably a very early concept trailer so we'll wait and see what they get for us i mean yeah. what got me about it about it was the monster design which just looked insane like i was yeah. so the all the monsters that they showed off looked so cool yeah uh very horrifying very brutal uh it, the monster design does look really insane uh but as far as like the the heavy metal goes i think it's gonna be it'll be interesting to see because i think it may just be like a thematic at the start and then used as like build up for tense moments uh, i don't know we'll see uh it's another it's another game worth looking out for mm-hmm I mean, what I thought was so good about Silent Hill, and I think why it's so well received and and you know memorable to this day, is it's not about it's not just about scaring you. It's about being atmospheric and making you like dread playing it. Like, yeah, like the atmosphere of Silent Hill, like the town itself, is is scary in a way that isn't like actively jumping out at you it's not about it's not like silent hill isn't about the monsters like the monster design is very good and that's the point but the game itself is about being unsettling i never forget how those those mists scaring me off just yeah Hmm. 
So I, yeah. I, I hope that they that they lean into that and remember that atmosphere is just as important as a spooky monster. I, I think they will. I have faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a new uh, Lord of the Rings game, Gollum, which looked really interesting uh, like it feels like it's going to be a more narrative well it, they said it was going to be a more narrative based uh it looked from the early things that we've seen uh it looks a bit like a platform based and then choice based uh whether you're gonna like give in to Gollum or stay a schmeagol uh uh i think it's I'm, I'm excited to check it out and see what story that they tell uh i know it's not the same create uh the same developers that did uh uh shadow of war and shadow of mordor uh which were other fantastic games set in the universe with its own story uh but i think i'm excited to see this i love i always love games that are set in the lord of the rings world that add to the universe and build some more absolutely we saw a very brief uh like from what i from what i saw of the Gollum trailer there wasn't a whole lot of gameplay to to latch on to or to speculate about no there's a there's a little more on its steam page which is already yes up, yeah the steam uh, page that, that we looked over um and i'm going to wildly speculate for a second yes that it's going to be kind of a stealth game yeah um, I'm hoping that it is going to be sort of in the vein of no one's played this game, so yes. Uh, no, I mean the game that I'm about to talk about. Oh. No one has played uh, Sticks. No, uh, Sticks. <laughs> I think Shards of Darkness and Sticks. There were two Sticks games. One of them was co-op. One of them wasn't. Um, and in Sticks, you play as a goblin who, on the harder difficulties, is just one hit killed. Like, so it's very much a, like, you have to balance being stealthy because you're very fragile with doing a bunch of objectives and, you know, collecting loot and all that sort of stuff and navigating these, like, jumping puzzle maze-like areas. Um, Based on absolutely nothing, um, I'm going to say that Lord of the Rings Gollum, the untold story, is going to be kind of like Sticks. Yeah. Just because Gollum very much reminds me of that kind of character yes he is very fragile you can't have a lot of direct like fighting interact interactions with him it has to be a lot more like stealth based Mm -hmm. and hidden i mean he's a very stealthy character he likes caves uh i mean we uh, saw we saw uh traps we saw jumping puzzles we saw like hanging off of things uh those are all things that sticks does like sticks is a very trap heavy game because you're not capable of taking people on in a fair fight um, I, I I like that approach to things too. Making uh, as a person who likes that, like uh, if you're given a choice to build a character, I build a character that, that like a tank that can just deal a lot, like take a lot and deal a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's I like games that kind of force you to kind of rethink that and play differently. Uh, changes my thinking and the way about going uh, the way I go about everything too. I'm still really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that may be all the time we have for talking about, uh, new announcements and new games. There are many more, uh, we may bring a couple of these back in the new year. Uh, but 
before we go, uh, what have you been playing currently? So we can give people some recommendations for the holiday break. You know the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, you're playing... Uh, uh, what's it called? You're playing that new Ratchet and Clank, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Yes. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. it did win Best Ongoing Game this year as well. Uh, so it's... It definitely worth that. checking out i mean it did win more than that but ongoing game it that's coming go check it out they best community every, they deserve every single bit of it uh i i do i would have to agree with that as well um i've still been playing uh horizon zero dawn in preparation for forbidden west coming out and man it is a great game uh the story direction, the world, uh, the world building involved, uh, the, the map is huge and diverse and beautiful, uh, and the level, and it's very difficult too. Uh, at points, there's so many options where you can approach many different fights. It's really, really cool. Highly recommend checking it out. Uh, you can get the complete edition on Steam, console, whatever you're playing. Check it out. Have I mentioned Barotrauma? Uh, I believe last week a little bit, but talk a little bit more about it. So I am uh, still playing Barotrauma, which is this alien underwater submarine simulator that you play with your friends. Uh, everyone gets a task or a, a sort of role aboard the ship. So I'm the medical officer. My friend is the captain, uh, the security officer, the engineer, the mechanic, that sort of thing. Uh, you go around and do missions and uh, things go wrong very quickly. Uh, you're attacked by aliens, you spring leaks, uh, you know, a clown appears in your ship and you have to run away from it because it has a honking horn and that's terrifying. Um, oh no. It's a lot of just goofing around because... The underwater game sea clowns sound terrifying. Underwater sea clowns. Uh, no, it's just a clown costume and somebody dresses up in it and then we pretend oh. to be scared of them because it's very oh. funny. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so no, no, the game is very good. It's difficult. Like it is, it is hard to complete your objectives uh, without at least somebody dying, uh, because no, the ocean uh, on an alien planet is a dangerous place. But it's a lot alien of fun. Ocean. Mm. Uh, if you've got a couple friends, I recommend it. Maybe wait for it to be on sale. I think it's a bit expensive right now, but. It is, it is definitely worth looking at. Alrighty. Uh, so that's all we have. We're going to be going on break for two weeks. Uh, we will be back in the new year. Uh, everyone have a very happy holiday and a happy new year. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before its release on major streaming services and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. This week's episode was brought to you in part by Patreon donors Daniel James and Will Thomas. Thank you so much for your support. Till next time, I'm Miles. I'm Chun. And I'm Red. Thanks, and we will see you in the new year. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, gamers!